Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season two, episode one, season premiere. What'd you think? Uh, it was a good, it was a good return. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, not, not, it didn't blow your doors off, but you know, they got to get warmed up. If I, if I'm being honest, I was expected a little door blowing. Really? Okay. Yeah. Why do you say that? Because of the way it went out last season? Like, I'm going to be Saul now. Uh, well, I don't know. I just, I guess... My temptation, if I was a creator, when I'm coming back from a long hiatus where people were like really high on the show, is to mm-hmm. do something to kind of rock the boat, raise the stakes. But when I was reading a lot of behind-the-scenes interviews with Gould and Gilligan, it seems like that they're more intent on whoa, walking back. Like, man, we we're, yeah. we're already in in uh, Jimmy or uh, in Saul country. Yeah, and we need to get back into Jimmyville. We don't want to. We don't want an electric slide on in the slipping Jimmy. Right. Electric slip. We don't want to sleaze on into Saul. We want to stay with Jimmy because we like him so much. Mm-hmm. So I felt like a lot of this episode was walking back the moral decision that he made at the end of last season. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like it, especially right off the bat when they go in with this kind of change up of what you thought you saw previously, um, that he didn't even take this meeting and he just blew off Kim and everything. Yep. Instead, we get kind of a new uh, perspective on that. It this, was this taking the job was all about Kim. Yeah, yeah, I think that becomes clear, especially toward the end of this episode. Um, that that's kind of what he, how he feels about it, and well, he'd I mean, rather I, not do it. I thought it was pretty clear in the beginning of the episode because he said, you know, when she said this has nothing to do with the other thing, yeah. the other thing yeah. being them getting together, he said thanks but no thanks and fucked off to the. The, the Hotel de right. la Grift, or what I uh, mean. Uh, just, uh, yeah, do some... Uh, Checking in as Victor grifting. with a K. Oh, man. Good stuff. Uh, I don't know how much we want to talk about it before we get into the recap, but I, I found myself really enjoying the scenes that I was supposed to enjoy, like the comedy and sure. stuff like that. Uh, and and kind of, you know, I'm going to be patient. I, mm-hmm. I know what they've... I know they have greatness up their sleeve. They can do it again. Uh I'll just let them do it in their own time. Yeah, I I, ex- I expect it to come around, um, and I'm not disappointed. Like I said, you. Yeah. I feel like they're doing a lot to set up some things down the road. Yeah. Um, that I'm kind of interested in seeing how it goes and how it bites Jimmy in the ass, but uh, we'll get to that. I do want to mention the episode is directed to Todd Sofer, uh-huh. who was a teamster who worked on both Saul and Breaking Bad. He actually is in a few scenes. Uh, uh, last year he was in a he in a kind of background cameo. He was. Large man in coveralls squeezing into the bathroom with Saul when he's meeting with the Kettlemans. Okay. And then in the final season of Breaking Bad, he was in the junkyard helping Jesse and uh, Walt hook up their magnet. <laughs> all right. Uh, get their magnet set up all, all taken care of. So, Test that out. Sure. Yeah, I don't know much about him other than that. And I don't, you know, a teamster implies he was uh, some, sort of, some sort of laborer, mm-hmm. some behind the scenes guy. Uh, but uh, I guess he was well liked and got his way on camera a couple times. All right, two more times than I ever did. Get, get, get the uh... okay, yeah, sounds good. Uh, let's get into the recap real quick. Gene closes the Cinnabon for the night, and he goes to take out the trash. But when he does, the door shuts behind him, locking him in. And he could open another door and trigger an alarm and call the cops, but he'd have to deal with the cops. And you know, Gene's kind of in hiding. So instead, he sits there for two and a half hours while he waits for the janitor to show up. 
I've had that experience outside of our apartment out. complex. Really? <laughs> I know your door doesn't Forget- function properly. Right, so mine just opens. My outer door shuts and you can't get back in. And sometimes during the day, there's no one home. <laughs> I've waited for 45, 50 wait, minutes. Wait, wait, you can go to the... You can go to the office and say, hey, I can't get hey, in my I fr- I, So I could walk up to the office, yeah. say, hey, I forgot my fuck, and then wait for them to wrap up whatever they're doing. I mean, it's always you like... You should have gone to the pool, gotten a drink, floated if, around. If an angel came down and said, hey, Ron, it'll be 55 minutes until the neighbor comes, I would do that. But right. when you're sitting there and I got a cell phone and it's kind of a nice day, it's like, ah, I can just hang out on the bumper of my car until... Okay, I'm Somebody letting. Walks in. I, I think I'm letting the current weather color my opinion. On yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. If, it was if I were sitting as, out there sure. in 20 degree weather, it's pouring rain, something like. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's pouring rain, I'm kind of screwed anyway. Yeah, but uh, I thought the open to this was Kafka as fuck. Oh sure. Mm-hmm. That you know he's stu- and then I think the grayness kind of uh, the black and white nature of it fed into that. But you've got this easy way out but there's this warning about the police showing and then there's actually a second page of these instructions that's apparently missing did you get that it says you know the police will be notified if you must exit the and then it cuts off and there's space for another page of instructions uh, see i didn't notice that so i didn't pro- read the whole thing there's probably an easy way out of this situation like a phone somewhere that he could call yeah and they could remotely unlock it or yeah yeah <laughs> okay all but right because they have to print on a certain enormous font he's sitting there and of course you know that that's the thing i when i first watched i'm like well he's in witness protection he can and i'm like oh wait no he's not he's in bad guy protection yeah he's on he's, he's on, on the, the run man like mint jelly he's on the lamb <laughs> uh and i i it's like that was a really an interesting predicament and just his rage of being stuck in this you know he's doing this to avoid jail yeah but it's easy to see his whole, ex- you know, post-Saul existence as a form of confinement. Right. Unpleasant right. confinement. And they go, so I, I listened to the uh, Breaking Bad Insider, or Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul mm-hmm. Insider cast, uh, and they talked, uh, you know, in fair detail about the the stuff they were doing in the show. And that was one of the things. Like, this room is kind of a taste of a cell for him. Sure. And, like, it's supposed to reflect how he is kind of living a certain trapped life yeah where he can't be the man who he was and then you zoom in on that uh Saul Goodman was here SG was here and you really get the impression that he is no longer that person and he would like to be that person yeah but he can't be and that's a sort of cell-like experience jail-like experience did they mention that being a nod to Shawshank no they didn't okay because like the old guy when he finally gets he's institutionalized he finally gets out and he hangs himself but before he does he carves on the beam that he ends up hanging himself, whatever his name was was here. Uh-huh. Huh. Uh, so I thought maybe, because, you know, Vince Gilligan loves to do that shit. Right. He had um, a pulp, uh, roundabout Pulp Fiction reference. Or a, it's is kind it of, even roundabout? No, not, I think it's subvert, it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's a twisted, because they take the dialogue, and it was applied to Kane from Kung Fu, and she just says, like, like Jules from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> right. So it's, it's right. like a self-referential reference. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a Villigan favorite. Yeah, they didn't... So, uh, I don't know. The Breaking Bad Insider cast this week was weird because they have so many people on that cast that it's hard to get everybody Well, that was in. always the problem with some of the Breaking Bad ones, too. Yeah. It, it's more yeah. of like a party that you can kind of overhear some of the conversations. And that's is. fun. There were some real zinger sure. jokes in there. And sure. they had Odenkirk on, and he is freaking hilarious most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Uh, but they kind of... They didn't talk too much about the show. They talked more about just, like... 
you know, what it's like to be acting in these things yeah. and be the leading man and all this stuff, which is interesting, just not show show specific. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like there was less information there that I would have liked this week uh-huh. uh, as compared to others. But there there were some bits to glean, and I'll bring them up as we go. I'm really curious about the hummingbird. In fact, I started up the insider cast. I ran out of time. I didn't get that far, but I'm I have a big question about the brief hummingbird cameo. Okay, during I imagine the, a lot of people might have missed it. It was just so quick. It was quick, quick and, like and I, the, the first watch I thought it was a bug, like some kind. And then okay. I went, did they CG that in? Because man, it's so framed up, perfect. But yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, are they are they going to continue to show? Gene's existence I, in the future, getting getting more and more miserable because that's what I really hope. I said on the I said on the pre preview cast that I hope they do like uh-huh. kind of uh, you know some kind of either book ending or that's how they traditionally kick off the season to show the contrast between Jimmy's life now and the choices he makes and then his post Saul existence as Gene. Yeah. I think that's uh, and I think if they continue to do things that are creative and appropriate to the Breaking Bad universe, then I yeah. am fully on board with that. And that's sort of like, I I don't know, it's like the writers are sort of mean-spirited with him, but in this benign sort of way, like, it's not like there are tragedies happening, happening to him, it's just like one small thing compounding over and over, like... no. He's got this boring-ass existence. <laughs> that's why I said it's so Kafka, because it's... I love it. Any free man would just rock out the door. Probably wouldn't even yeah. think. Probably wouldn't even wait for the cops to show up because mm-hmm. like I haven't done anything wrong. Um, but he's in this very particular predicament. Yep. I mean, it almost be better if he was uh, the register girl or guy wearing the buns or fun shirt because he could have walked out there without fucking with the trash. But since he's the manager of the store, there's a lot of layers to the gene existence that I like. (laughs) And they're all pretty bad. It's all twisted up like a Cinnabon (laughs) layered Uh with a bunch of icing on it. It's, it's, it's nice. Uh, so Jimmy in, in current day, I guess meets with uh, the law firm. Yeah. We're back in color. He meets with the law firm who wants to hire him. This, uh, Davis and Maine, place which by the way i fucked up in a preview cast i said this was a san jose uh, uh i think we law both firm fucked up. i think I... it's santa fe right which is also in new mexico right it's not really that far away it's from i mean it's just you know compared to san jose right. which is quite a bit farther away right um i'm looking it up right now it is a oh i guess it's only an hour away yeah not so far that it would preclude a relationship with kim indeed so indeed that's good uh he takes her aside and uh, kim aside and asks her if taking this job has anything to do with whether or not they'll be together she says no and he turns down the job on the spot he like gets a smile and he's like okay done that was an interesting reaction why do you think he did it why did he? Why did he in this moment take her because, aside and so, ask? Or well, let's 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 back up a bit. What okay. did she mean by the one has nothing to do with the other? Because I don't know that that's literally true. Yeah, I'm not certain, especially after seeing this episode, if that would be true. I interpreted this: if you take this job, I'm not saying I'm going to date you, and I'm not saying I'm not. Yeah, but it's likely that if he doesn't take the job, and then, I mean, I don't know if he still tries to be the little guy serving the people lawyer. But but if he goes in, mm-hmm. in a slip and Jimmy, then she's out. Whereas I don't know Mostly. how Jimmy interpreted it. Okay. Yeah, but, I I, th- I think Jimmy... 
And also, wouldn't it be gross if she said, absolutely, you take this job and we're in? <laughs> like, that's not... Or, or you don't and we're out? Like, yeah. that's pretty controlling. It's not just controlling. It says something about her as a, what, how she sees status and money and a lot of things I don't think would appeal to Jimmy. Yeah, so that's the thing about their relationship that that I, I think they're doing a pretty good job portraying. Like, it doesn't seem like their relationship is predicated on any kind of circumstances or anything like that. It's literally, it's, it's a genuine connection between two people, right? It's, yeah. It doesn't have to do with their jobs. It doesn't have to do with what Jimmy's going to do for money, anything like that. Yeah. She, now, she's concerned. She doesn't understand what he's doing and why he would be doing it. But I don't believe that she's going to say, fuck you, man. Don't ever talk to me again just because of that. Did you see Talking Saul? I didn't, no. I have not watched, I don't think, a full episode of Talking Anything. Okay. Did you uh, watch this one? Yeah, because nice. I, you know, I, I don't. I didn't watch the whole thing because it's an hour long. That's yeah. not a material for a full hour. But one thing, it had Rhea Seahorn who plays Kim yeah. and uh, Bob Odenkirk on there, and they're sitting next to each other on the couch. It was that's it cool. was Gould, Gilligan, Odenkirk, and then Rhea. Jeez, that's a and lot of people. And they were like pretty close. To, I, I feel like that they have a lot of just genuine uh, interpersonal chemistry that translate. Like I think they enjoy hanging out. They mentioned like gotcha. at one point in in filming this season of Saul that uh, Bob lost his voice okay, for like two weekends and they had to kind of film around that and he couldn't talk and she volunteered to kind of hang out with him at the hotel and just just and they were passing notes back and because he couldn't like talk he had to save everything for oh yeah I mean he could but he wasn't trying to to stress it sure sure um and they were telling it like as a super it was kind of a lame story but the way they're telling it it was funny (laughs) just because Uh you could see that they just like hanging out with each other right and I wonder you know I've I've heard again and again that Vince and I'm assuming Gould is just like him uh they look for little beats in the people the actors to incorporate, you know, to make it you know, a little bit more color, a little more texture. And I wonder yeah. how much of this relationship is being shaped by how well those two get along. I think it's got to help, right? Can't hurt. Yeah. I mean, unless you're supposed to be mortal enemies on screen and <laughs> you can't do it because you like the other I mean, person I that sometimes works a lot. Like, you know, uh, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford hated each other in Empire. And, like, sometimes right. that can generate sparks and heat. But right. I don't know. Are we seeing that in the X Files right now? Is that what we're? <laughs> I don't know what we're seeing in the X Files. Okay. Anyway, um, so we get a repeat of some of the same scenes that we saw last season, where Jimmy's leaving the parking lot and he stops and talks with Mike about this money and how he's never going to be stopped by doing the right thing again. Certainly never going to be stopped by signs that say "cucumber waters for customers only." Absolutely not. He goes back to the nail salon. Uh, he, the owner, tells him you can't have cucumber water. He says, "You know what?" He turns on the spout. Sticks his mouth under it and drinks it down defiantly. I thought that's a weird thing to do because... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the loophole is not the cups. She didn't say cups are for customers. She said the water's for customers. Yeah. So if you're going to do that, just grab a cup and look her right in the eye as you drink it, I guess. Yeah. I, 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 it was super it was funny. funny. Yeah, sure. Especially as soon as he like tucked his tie behind his, it's like you knew something crazy was going to happen. Yeah, and I like the reaction of all the the people in there, both the the employees and the customers. Yep, <laughs> I can't believe what they're seeing. They're is laughing. he done? Like, are we done with the nail salon as far as him being in an office? I think so. He he's... pulls down his his nameplate, his makeshift paper sign, and he checks in the Grift Hotel. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And now he's got an office with Coco Bolo. 
right? I, I, yeah, I feel like the nail salon obviously is going to come back around because we see it in Breaking Bad. So but. he was – it's my impression that he was living in his office after oh, yeah. the Chuck thing. When he couldn't stay with his brother, he had yeah. that fold-out terrible thing that he was sleeping on, sure. Right. So he's got to find a place in Santa Fe, I guess. Uh, which I assume he'll do immediately. The office is badass, man. <laughs> Just roll He's got that little fireplace in the corner, you know. Mm-hmm. Get a bearskin rug. <laughs> All Have right. Kim over for – I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then we go over to Price and Mike, and Price rolls up to the meeting in this gaudy new H2 Hummer. Uh, Mike refuses to get in it. He's he says no. Uh, we'll take my car. And instead, Price uh, fires Mike, saying, "You know what? I'm pa- I'm throwing money in the garbage, right in the trash." No, you're you. not. No, you're not. Uh, you're throwing Mickey Mantles into the garbage. Yeah, and all your your, your crease stash. and your tie cob. Uh, so he fires Mike. He says, "Fuck it. Don't I don't need backup. Nacho doesn't need backup. I don't need backup." Sure. And Mike's like, "Whatever." And then we go over to the meet, and Price is so proud of his new car that he lets Nacho check it out and get inside. It has a tri-zone climate. I mean, right. you got to be you can proud have, of that. You can have one girl in a parka, one girl in a bikini. Sure. They'll both be comfortable. Sure. <laughs> uh, which is a myth, by the way. Those zoned climate controls. I, I would think it's don't not work that, that extreme, way. yeah. Uh, anyway, so while he's distracted, counting his money, Nacho gets Price's real name, which is Daniel Wall... Wall something? I don't know. Wall Holt? Wall... Waldorf? Mm-hmm. Uh, from his registration in his glove box. And uh, and his address and everything. So let's talk about this hummingbird. Yes. Uh, this hummingbird is real. This, <laughs> this hummingbird, hummingbird is real! Somehow, while they were filming on this crane shot with this unmanned camera, uh-huh. this hummingbird flies through the frame. Nobody notices. Sure. But it's, the thing and is, then, it's like dead fucking... It like hits its mark. It stops. It totally hits its that's mark. What I'm, that's why I thought it was CG, because... Uh-huh. Wow. I thought so, too. And I, I was like, what did I just see? The hummingbird flew through the screen, but why? Why would they add that? Well, they didn't add it. It flew through. And in ending, yeah. Kelly was rolling through the footage, noticed it, and was like, this is too good. We've got to use this. Sure. It's and just it's a, and crazy. I, it was a cool stat. And I'm, the odds of that shot happening when it wasn't going to be spoiled by, like, the you know guys with clipboards and, right. you know, moving shit around, like, it's amazing. Yeah. And I'm glad because I, if it was intentional, I'm like, what does it mean? Yeah. Or is it just an interesting little flourish? Now I'm glad it's just kind of like one of those serendipitous moments they captured. It's funny, too, because when Kelly went to Vince and was like, look, we've got this footage. I really want to use it. And he was like, that's great. But what does it mean? <laughs> Which is the exact same thing the audience right. is asking. Yeah, but, you know, I wonder if she cropped it a bit because it. I'm telling you that hummingbird hit its mark dead center. It's incredible. Yeah. It's like National Geographic footage. Sure, sure. Uh, so Jimmy's floating in the pool. Do you want to talk about anything about Nacho? Uh, so or, I okay. Let's let's yes, I do. Okay. So uh, Price or Danny or whatever we're calling him, I get the Hummer. The Hummers. I mean, I mean, you take a Hummer and then you make uh, it as stupid looking as possible. But when he gets out of those Ronald McDonald shoes, oh my god! And the watch, like he's coordinated. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Uh... Is he just slowly, one piece at a time, going to Ronald McDonald? Like, he, he, he bought I the guess. Hummer, the watch, and his shoes, and he ran out of money. Next week is going to be the wig and the nose, and then well, finally the of... jumpsuit. 
Um, well, yeah, drugs, but that too. was the plan. That was the plan. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess they're trying to make it him out to be a joke. I think they he went is. a bit too far. Okay. Yeah, I mean the the shoes and the watch. I can I can understand why you'd say that. Sure. Uh, I think the Hummer itself is more gaudy I, I than thought the it, shoes. I thought it'd been funnier if he had like a Hummer hat and a Hummer jacket. Okay, you know, like he's guy that buy, buys like the new the BMW the, stuff, or yeah. the Har- Harley's guy right. bought a new Harley. Now he's got the fucking one percent or leathers going. Like I, I, fu- I felt like that would have been more. But this is just bizarre. Well, maybe that's are those Hummer shoes? Are we sure they're not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty fucking sure they're not Hummer shoes. Okay, uh, they got the. Oh, that's what it means to hummingbird. Oh, you figured yeah, it out the Hummer imagery. Uh, that's how what, what attention to detail mm-hmm. Villigan has, and that's the downfall of the price. Uh okay, I think I'm I've said my piece on that. Okay. What what do you think what do you think Nacho is thinking about about price as he I think Nacho's thinking this guy's like, an idiot. This is interesting. He's got a huge wad of cash. I know for a fact he's got a huge wad of cash. He's not going to just drop off in the bank. He might be doing deals with other people. He might have some other shit at his house. I I want to say that this might be the last deal he would ever do with price because a he's stolen from him and I think price knows that. You think so? Man, I, I, I want okay, to wait until we get to the scene. Maybe he's too dumb to know, but yeah. I, I think Nacho is smart enough to know that this guy, like Mike knows, is a loose cannon, is is a fool, is going to get everybody caught because he's not uh, cautious enough. Hmm. He doesn't have that restraint that Mike does, that Nacho does. Do you think uh, that... And, and Nacho's dealing with fucking Tuco already, so... So that's a good point. You think that he might have set up Price... I mean, I I, I want to. What, what do you mean? When the cops show up, wait? I just have a lot to talk okay. about. So, um, all right, because you've got me thinking now that maybe I was thinking Nacho saw an easy mark, but now you're thinking that like yes, he did, but also this is bad he for wanted me out of this. because if yeah. this guy gets caught by the cops, it's almost inevitable when you start flashing around that money. Yeah, and you're an idiot about it. Uh, although he is a programmer. Yeah, but I sure programmers make a fair bit of money. And, and and it's not unreasonable to afford a Hummer. And he's it looks like he's a very single man, which yeah. you know usually ties up the the rest of a young man's income. But I just can't like this guy with this car. Yeah, does not make a lot of sense. No, no. no. I mean, unless unless he goes all out, and well, I mean his fucking house too. Oh my god, it's it's a nightmare. This guy top to bottom. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. If I'm Nacho, I'm thinking I'm done with this deal. This yeah. is a bum deal. Yeah. Like I mean, you can. There's a certain extent that you can. You can. I don't know. I. I don't want to. I want to nerd shame anybody because God knows I've got my my freak flag flies from time to time. But at some point, you got to decide how much of that do you want to be part of your life and how much of it do you want to do. I mean, I'd be fine if he had like a life size stand up of Darth Vader or something in his house well, and was like turning his house into a <laughs> shrine to Star Wars. That's fine. It just doesn't seem to mesh the nerd. With the gaudy ass Hummer, hmm. like those two lifestyles are very different in my mind. But but you see, I, I think that's the thing. Be. Like he's, you're not looking at this from. He's a baseball nerd. He might not he like is. science fiction. <laughs> what does a baseball nerd look like? I submit a okay. baseball nerd might look like Danny. <laughs> really, see, your, your nerd scale any... has no way of calibrating. Yeah. Like if, if this all goes together, you're right. You're right. <laughs> hmm. Okay. I'll have to keep that in mind going forward. <laughs> yeah, I put that in your calculations. Uh, so Jimmy's floating in the pool, and his phone rings, and he tells the caller that he's no longer a lawyer. 
Mm-hmm. I am Jimmy, but not a lawyer. Uh, Kim shows up. She demands to know why he turned down the job, and Jimmy offers to explain if she gets in the pool. Instead, uh, she's like, no, but I'll be in the bar if you want to talk. Uh, I don't... I'm not sure how she knew where to find him here. We don't ever see a phone call, but whatever. You can assume there's a phone call there. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to the bar. Well, the other thing is I, I want to uh, point out this overhead shot of Jimmy slowly floating into view. It's just it's a great-looking shot, and yeah. they take their time with it, too. Just let it linger. Yeah. If you're going to take the time to do that kind of shot, you got to give it some time to breathe so people can appreciate it. And kind of like. And take in the ridiculous scenario, too. He's floating in a pool with a bowl of chips, a drink, and his cell phone floating in a plastic bag. Which. Does that work? I I imagine it might. Huh. It might. Now, with the smartphone, maybe not, because it doesn't have buttons to answer calls and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But with the flip phone. With his flip phone. I know. Like. So I got a waterproof box last year for kayaking, and you can put a phone in that, seal it up, and the speak you can play music through it, and it, hmm. it sounds that's cool. It sounds different, but it doesn't sound terrible. I assume it's kind of like the same principle that like you know you, you you throw a cell phone into a cup and it makes it louder. Yeah, yeah. But it's so I, I imagine you could hear things through it, but yeah, hmm. and I, I forgot physical buttons. Yeah, he can press buttons, uh, and flip switches. He loves to do that. Yep. Anyway, they, they go to the bar. Uh, Jimmy's ogling this $50 shot of tequila, which we'll talk about later. And he explains to Kim that being a lawyer is who Chuck wanted him to be, and he doesn't want he doesn't want that. Instead, he's going to be open to the universe, which Kim just says she doesn't get it. Well, the other thing is he's not being honest um, because he's not telling her about his feelings for her and how that's impacting, and he's also hmm. refusing to talk about Cicero. And the pinky yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah. And this thing with Marco did have an effect on him, oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. I mean, he's wearing that ring. Like, it it changed him seeing seeing this man die. Indeed. Uh, his friend. Um, and just, yeah, and, and it, I mean, there's all kinds of ways it changed him. But, but yeah, and, and I feel like that's something that we're supposed to note that, you know, if she's the, I don't know if he's, she's the love of his life, but she's his main squeeze or the one he's got in his target and he's yeah. refusing to be open and honest about a lot of different things. That's usually, uh, you know, I mean, that's a theme well explored in Breaking Bad, right? Absolutely. That's, that's kind yeah. of the death knell for a relationship. Sure. So it's, while it's nice to see them together and they're very cute together, I, I got to wonder long term where this is going if he can't figure out a way to... Uh, communicate effectively with her. Yeah, and I, it makes me wonder how much of Slip and Jimmy Kim is familiar with. Like, clearly, she enjoys going on this caper with him uh, here in a minute. And she knows enough that, like, when he's checked in this hotel and he starts ordering stuff and putting it on his room, she knows that he's doing some kind of scam. Yeah, yeah. Like, they don't spell it out, but, he's like, he's like checked in under an assumed cut. name with probably a fake ID and... Right, Mr. Uh, Cuttlefish or whatever his yeah, name was. I yeah, forget. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that it's interesting because I, I think they might be setting him up to have sort of a confession about that, right? Like let her in on who he was before he came to New Mexico, uh, and met her. I feel like kind of how that's influenced him. And then going back and seeing Marco, uh, you know, unhappy with his, what was it? A fire hose stand business or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I feel feel like she knows huh 
I guess that would explain why he's reluctant to talk about Cicero, but I guess I assume that she knew a lot more about that than than it sounds like you suspect. Yeah, I I don't know. I get the impression that this is the first time cuz she's very confused by what he's doing here, right? She doesn't she doesn't get what he's showing her until like halfway through the the con. You didn't think so? I thought she knew she was just afraid. She's like, "Oh man, hmm, do I want to okay. get involved?" Because you're commit you're committing fraud as a lawyer. Yeah. That's got to be a scary thing. Right. She has a career to think about. Yeah. Uh, is it worth a few moments of fun? Or, like, you know, and I, if, and that's the other thing. It's like, you know, whenever I see con men work, I'm like, God damn, that's got to be terrifying. Right. They show any you time this worm could turn and you're in big time trouble. They show you the time when it works in this episode. You're, but what you, about the 10 times it doesn't? I mean, you're in like legal trouble. You're in for an ass kicking. Who yeah. knows what you're in for? You got to watch your back. And I, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stress in this episode for me because when they complete the kind of walk away from the bar, I'm like, oh man, is Ken going to come flying out here? Like, hey, you ass. And then I realize, uh-huh. well, Ken's place in the Breaking Bad universe is to let the, Yep, you know the, the the goofy leading man uh, get his goat with no retribution. Have some righteous uh, justice, sure. Here, you and know he's he's a, he's he's portrayed as a chode who can afford mm. the loss, and so <laughs> no it's, real it's harm. a guilt free grifting here. Uh, so let's talk about this. We go we go to the bar. Um, uh, sorry, we we are already at the bar. He sees this douchebag over at the bar uh, talking about stocks, decides he's going to show Kim exactly what he's talking about. And he concocts this story about a dead uncle and an inheritance and cons the guy into buying them a bunch of $50 shots. And Kim has a fantastic time. So, so fantastic. In fact, that she and she's good at it. She, she talks, she spins the South yep. African thing, which kind of makes, you know, this like I think of, I think of people, white people from South Africa. And I think you've probably got a lot of money. You're probably a little odd, uh, and she covers for the not having an accent by saying, well, I've never sure. been to South Africa, implying right. she's generational. Like, yeah, yeah, a lot of good stuff there. Essentially, if I, if I hear that you're a white person from South Africa, I, I think you're, oh, shit, what's the actress that they mention here? Uh, Theron. Yeah, Charlie. Charlie Theron. I just, yeah. that's, that's, that's the only white person I know from South Africa, so I assume that you're just... I like used to that. work with he a guy a weird from South accent. Africa. Did you really? Yeah, he had oh. a he had a weird accent. They he do. had a South African accent. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was interesting. But yeah, so we we know for people who who maybe haven't seen Breaking Bad or didn't know about this that this guy is Ken Wins from from Breaking Bad, and somewhere along the way, come Ken Wins because that was his BMW license plate. Yeah, 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 <laughs> his license plate. And somewhere along the way, I forget what season, like two or three, season one. Season one? Episode four. Walt, no. Cancer Man, yeah. No uh-huh. fucking way. Yeah. That's way too early for Walt to do what he does. Uh, what does he do, really? <laughs> <laughs> I won't say it in case you haven't seen Breaking Bad, but the people who have know what I'm talking about, and it's glorious. And so when he comes back up here, uh-huh. and I clearly see what's going to happen, I lost it. I loved it. Sure. This, no. this fool, this fucking douchebag. And the fact that it's got the Zafiro Anejo reference. Right. Which, which is still the most popular page uh, Bald Move has ever created. That's true. I yeah. mean, it's like... I, which, I I was listening to the, the Breaking Bad Insider. Uh-huh. Fuck, the Better Call Saul sure. Insider podcast. Uh, and there's some new light. Some new... New shit has, new come, shit to has come to light? New shit has come to light, man. Really? On that 
for on that particular bottle. Yeah, huh? They talked about how they had um, like this this bottle itself, not the stopper. The stopper's custom made um, and may have been inspired by uh, the Perfection Cognac that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. But uh, the bottle itself is something called a Jenny Lind mm-hmm. uh, flask, and it's it's pretty common. It's not it's not super expensive or anything. But they had an artist go in and custom title it with Zafiro Añejo on the front. They they blew an entirely uh, new bottle, mm. uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, to this day, like, if you search for Zafiro Añejo, the bald move link is the first one you find. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. And it's also uh, the official Breaking Bad Wikia uh, completely bites that information and not attributed to us. Yeah, hurts well, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Stings. What are you going to do? Stings like Zafiro and Neo going down. <laughs> no, no. Zafiro's smooth. <laughs> you don't think it's got any fire to I it? Look at not. that stopper. It's a $50 the shot tequila. There's glass flame blowing out of that thing. It is. It is. I'm going to have to update that article. Actually, it's probably it's probably more like the aguave. Isn't that supposed to represent the aguave the plant? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Or the cat, whatever the hell it is. Um, yeah. So I had a, a, there's a hot take from uh, Devin uh, okay. H. He said, "I wait. Would, is this the D E V Y N N? You've got it. Okay, you've got it. I know He's Devin. The now. divine Devin. Uh, they, he, he talks about the the fact that we talked about. There's a lot of people talking about stuff here. <laughs> oh God, that Vince Gilligan talked about. Oh no, that there's a cameo from a season one Breaking Bad character. Uh, in this episode in, or in this? And, and he said in the season. Okay, and he wonders could Ken be the Breaking Bad guest star that Gilligan." was teasing absolutely he could would you think that that's playing fair with the audience he's he's a surprisingly minor character to to talk about a cameo i feel like if you'd have told hmm, i feel like if you told me up front that they're really talking about ken wins Mm -hmm. i'd have been like oh that's bullshit but now that i've seen it i feel like i'm i'm not underwhelmed i'm overwhelmed i'm properly whelmed i'm properly whelmed by a season one guest star in a, in a properly whelming episode, I would have I would have rather seen uh, you know Crazy Eight uh-huh. or Emilio or whoever, uh, but I Ken wins was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good enough cameo for me. I'm fine with that. Uh, so the next morning, Jimmy wakes up at Kim's house, and there's kind of a funny scene where she won't let him use her toothbrush, and instead she he uses her finger. Sure, sure. Uh, pretty good <laughs> when he says also, like, Jimmy, "Wait till you see what I'm gonna floss with." <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I know what that means, but it's funny. But you can't you can't use another person's toothbrush. I don't care right. what I'm, kind of bodily fluids you've. She's right. That gets a bullet. That gets underneath your gum. It's too much. It's too yeah. much. There's a difference between kissing and using a person's toothbrush, and that's where I draw the line. Yeah, the toothbrush. Yeah. Uh, I I will like. I don't say, care how intimate with you. I don't want you licking your pinky and stick it in my ear. I don't want any of your fingers right. up my nose. I don't, you know. There's a couple, <laughs> a couple things are just kind of like don't, don't, and that's okay. definitely a, a, a don't, don't, don't go there. The other don't, thing don't use is, my toothbrush. is she using a normal amount of toothpaste? Because I use a lot more toothpaste. I cover the brush. She just like puts a dot on it and know. goes to town. Is that like just a? a we got to get the shot. Do it. Go. Well, see, I switched to using an electric toothbrush a long time ago, and they have like a tiny. You know, like a between a pea size and dime shaped head. So, like, I guess I use uh, a lot less okay. toothpaste than than normal. Hmm. So maybe she's a electric transitioner. I don't know. <laughs> maybe she just <laughs> hasn't gotten accustomed to it. Anyway, uh, 
the cops show up at Price's house. Actually, did you want to talk any more about this? They're kind of reflecting on the previous night, and Kim is ready for work, and they take off. Yeah, I do like how she shifts into, hey, you got some place to go mode? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like almost like I'm she's not... rushing him out a little bit, but she has to be at work. Well, so it's no, like... I think it's more of like, I'm not leaving you in my apartment when I... Because that's... I, I was wondering that, too, but I... That's the tension when you have the one night stands that you kind of gotten into something a bit more. It's like at what point do you just like right. you're free to leave him in your and I, so I felt like that to me said that they're like yeah they had a good time and, and and there's a lot of textual stuff where she's kind of pumping the brakes on a little bit like yeah. oh yeah it would be nice but there's no way we can do that every night. I'm not going to be slipping Kimmy. Uh and but there's yeah. also the subtext of like I'm not comfortable leaving you behind like you know if they were if she fully trusted him, she'd be like, hey, I got to leave early. Um, take your Let time. Yourself yeah. See yourself out. Lock the door, and I'll see you later. But she's like, tap, tap, tap. Hey, you got some place to go. You're right. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> it, so you're definitely right about that. There's something in there that says maybe she doesn't totally trust him. But like the scene before it where they're standing at the the mirror and he's like oh wouldn't be great if we could do this every night see i didn't read her as going like look we can't do this every night it was i i genuinely thought she was like yeah that would be fantastic but it's she doesn't view it as a possibility not because she doesn't want to or because oh, yeah, like, sure like her job precludes it or anything but like we people just can't do that every night that's not something people do i i get whereas it. jimmy I- knows yeah, sure it is i've done it <laughs> And I'm, I'm saying it like she's super off-putting, but I'm, I'm more like saying that there's a shift throughout the scene where she's realizing that he wants her to come to his side. Well, she wants yeah. him to kind of come to her side, and there's not really a middle ground, so she starts to get uncomfortable. Right. And I, You're right, and it, it's nuanced. It's real, it really it's body language. It's, it's yeah. body language. It's the whole, hey, you know, you got some place to go. It's, it's, yeah. I, I thought it was I think great. that's good. I think that's I really too. good stuff. I do too. Also, I feel like they it, could have had a really stupid conversation, right? We had like a five minute debate about whether they're boyfriend and girlfriend over some quote that Bob O dropped preseason. And I felt like pretty stupid that the 30 minute more, uh, Mark, oh, yeah, they're fucking, yeah, they're totally, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I call them boyfriend and girlfriend. I, I but, wouldn't, but. It's certainly it's like that. That would be in a much shorter debate. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the cops show up at Price House. Uh, they it's it's been totally ransacked, and they talk with him about what was stolen. He goes on and on about this baseball card collection. He's just he loves this collection. Is this guy too much for you? No. 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 Okay. He's, he's borderline for I sure. Saw a lot of people but... in the forum saying like, man, they could they they would have appreciated a little pullback on this guy because he's like. Uh, uh, a lot of people were talking about him, Jerry Lundergarden, gardening, uh, the guy, you know, the William H. Macy guy from Fargo. Okay. Yeah. Just, I, and kind well, of the, so the guy's from Minnesota. I think. That does not shock me. Yeah. He's actually, there's... It's, it's the cadence of the dialogue. You know, it's these baseball... It's a, you're, We're looking at the wrong end of the microscope, yeah? yeah. <laughs> it it's, is, yeah. It's got that... I mean, he's he's pulled back on it, but it's still there. The essential Minnesota nature of the dialogue. Oh, fuck, I can't think of the name of it, but this guy is—he's got a really interesting backstory and in how they found him. Like Vince Gilligan, oh, okay, uh, found this guy after watching a bunch of his videos where he does—he volunteer Ronald McDonald for Ronald McDonald houses, right? <laughs> no. That's what the—that's what the color scheme is going for. It's paying homage to. 
To his back, sure, his background. <laughs> no, uh, he he pretends to be a guy who's like world famous at yo-yo tricks, and he calls up. Yeah, have you Seth seen this Wal- guy? No, he mentioned that, and and he linked to some YouTube stuff that I was like, okay, whatever. I I didn't find it. It's very apparently really hilarious because he is it shit. I, I don't know. I didn't see any of the videos myself. I didn't have time, but. Uh, he pretends to be a yo-yo master. He calls up these local news stations and wants uh-huh. asks to be on their morning shows. Oh, no. And so he goes on the morning shows, and then instead of doing his yo-yo tricks, uh-huh. he talks about what a crappy life he has. <laughs> Just lays it all <laughs> on them. And then he's, he's like, stalling for time trying not to do the yo-yo trick because mm-hmm. once the, he does the trick, it's He'll the be jigs off. up. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, <laughs> so he he, I guess, did a whole series of these through did the morning show tour uh and vince gilligan found him somewhere huh. he, it's not flim flam yo-yo man if you go listen to the the better call Saul insider podcast you'll hear all about it okay and get the name of it it's it I, sounds I, I hysterical. also get the link from a supplement i'll just link it in the show notes make it really easy on people okay cool um so if, do we want to talk about the scene in kind of general terms yeah are there any can. more specifics you want to talk about no, not, not really. Um, th- there's a little bit, but you're distracted by something. What What do you want to say? I was getting back to my notes. Oh, Sorry. okay. Uh, <laughs> you're distracted by the it's all great stuff. The Max stunning interface. Um, yeah. <laughs> is 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 Danny here? Is he really this stupid, or does he think the cops are this stupid? That's a good question. I think he's that stupid. Hmm. Do you think? What do the cops find in the floorboard storage or the nothing. baseboard storage? That's I think, what I thought. Too. I think they found nothing. But because they, 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 I mean, they filmed that point of view from the reverse, like I guess you call that cubbyhole cam mm-hmm. uh, or mouse cam. They they pull that from way far back in the wall. Yeah, and I feel like if there was something there that the cops saw, it would be in the foreground. I so, think we would have seen it. But then the scene abruptly ends as they put everything back and swing the couch back into place. I think they know something's up. They found a place where a stash should be, and they realized that the couch was moved. Um, so I, I think they know something is up, but they don't know what. Huh. Uh, yeah, I, but I, I'm trying to figure out what is going to happen now. They might. Yeah. Are they going to bust him? Are they going to get they, a search they warrant to come back for, I mean, I don't. Are they going to, like, try and, like, follow him? This, is, this are, guy might be hiding his, you know, Primo baseball cards down there or something. I sure. I mean that. There's all kinds of legitimate reasons to have a secret compartment in your hell. I if I get another house, I want a secret compartment. I want a secret room. The that's, entire room. That's what I'm talking like, about. Uh, it'd be it'd be cool just to have. Yeah. You know? That's the kind of nerd I am. I'm get one of the secret in the weirdos. Walls and yeah. Yeah. That'd be Maybe cool. it's soundproof. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's got a drain in the middle of the floor. Oh Jesus. <laughs> For you know whatever not legal, not illegal stuff. Sure, I, I just you, yeah. I've always wanted to pee in my own room. Uh, I I I don't. I know think what they're, they're gonna tail at. him. I think they're gonna tail that freaking really? gaudy ass Hummer around the town. That seems like it could bite Nacho. Well, you're saying Nacho's done with this guy. That's the thing. Like, how would they trace this back to Nacho? How do they get Nacho from this? I don't think they can get Nacho from this. Okay, they can lean on this dude. Maybe they can have him. So there's got to be a way that he's contacting Nacho, yeah? It was just an odd... Yeah, he, I guess, yeah. To set up meets and times and stuff. I assume he's got a burner phone, and so does Nacho. Yeah. So maybe they'll or lean on him. he's probably just using his real cell phone because he's a dumbass. <laughs> probably. 
Maybe they'll get him to try to call Nacho and set up another meeting. I just, if Nacho's smart, he's burned that phone though. Yeah, I just don't. I'm trying to think. Albuquerque, Albuquerque cops. Are they going to make this leap to uh, this guy's got a baseball card correct, uh, collection that we need to investigate, and he's got a weird thing? But like, you know, I don't. Th- they're not going to tail him. I don't think they're going to get a search warrant. What did they have? They have. Did they get a search warrant? It felt Nothing. like it's a weird. Nothing for a search warrant. It felt like you know the way they faded to black is just a weird place to leave it, and it drives me crazy because I'm trying to figure out where it's going to go, and just there's not enough information. Maybe they'll just straight up question him in his living room. Just man, if they come, come back, back next and... week and they're still in his living room, I'm calling them all kinds of bullshit. That's not how time works. <laughs> I they play fast and loose with time here. Uh, you don't no. need to. No, have they it cannot be still be interviewing. Linear. It's got to be. That's the end of this scene, and I'm trying to think because the cops. You're right. Clearly, know something's up. Mm-hmm. But it, it's like I don't think they're suspecting he's a major drug dealer. I think they're just. I think if they put any pressure on him at all, he's gonna fold. Okay, this guy's not not willing to stand up okay and then there's also the the possibility that there's something back there that we didn't see right which i would feel a little gypped by i guess yeah i don't i didn't feel like there was uh did you know that the the white cop in this in this house is the the guy who goes and responds to the call that skyler makes in breaking bad i did recognize i did i did recognize him yeah. I, I thought they both were uh, we've seen previous to Breaking in Breaking Bad. But. Well, I know we've seen the white guy. Okay. I, I didn't recognize the black guy, but who knows? Maybe he's in there somewhere. Uh, so Jimmy's floating in the pool again, and he calls Kim to tell her that he's found the perfect mark. Mm-hmm. And he invites her out to the pool. As he's floating there, he decides to call up Davis and Maine, which is the law firm that he turned the job down. Yep. Uh, um, why do you think he has this sudden change of heart here? And decides to go get a job. He just realizes that he's about to get in another rut. Now, as I was watching this as so-called Thurston Howe, I wasn't seeing Thurston Howe. I was seeing, like, mob boss and witness protection or something. This guy looks you know what you're a actually little seeing? dangerous to me. What? You're actually seeing Sean Connery in a James Bond movie. This is, like, this outfit that this fucker is wearing. Uh-huh is apparently a recreation of an outfit that James Bond wore it in, surprise one, me. in yeah. one of the movies. Yeah. It's really Sean Connery was, was frequently spot, sporting. Well, I mean, it looked good on him. But <laughs> but Sean Connery is frequently are, are sporting sure? those weird board shorts. No, not board shorts. They're just... It's I a onesie. Know. They call it a onesie bathing suit. Yeah. Uh, I don't... Yeah, I've seen every James Bond, and I don't remember thing, Sean Connery looking like a fool in any of them. Yeah, but, but I mean, this is a this is a beach ball poured into that, and he's right. got you know weird shaped feet. Uh, <laughs> Did he? <laughs> he does. I didn't he does. See His it. feet are like arched, like he's like like someone folded them in half and then shoved them in these things. Ugh. But no, when I saw this guy, he he looked he looked like he's I don't I didn't see Easy Mark, and I thought where they're going is that he was going to try to scam this guy, and it turns out that he's this is a guy you don't fuck with. Yeah, I'm. Like I'm going surprised after we super, won't see another scam. Like, like I feel like the the scam people. You have to go with people that, you know. There's two. They, you know, you can always just go after old people, uh, and just take money they don't have, and that's like the truly awful kind of scams, right? Or like weak and vulnerable people, or you take people to have, you know, they're solid middle class, but trying to get a leg up, and you take advantage of their naivete. Like going after really rich people, like that seems like it's a dangerous game because they're the type of people that could fuck with you back. Right. I'm like, this guy, this guy seemed like, you know, somebody that Batman would be punching in the face and 
you know, because because he's gotten to a judge in Gotham. I, I, he, yeah. he seemed dangerous to me. This, might, he, he might be here nor there, but yeah, I'm I'm not sure if we'll see this guy again. I, I don't can't know. Imagine uh, it seems like in this scene, Saul Saul Jimmy realizes that he's not going to be able to have a life with Kim if he goes off and does his Saul thing, his slipping Jimmy thing. Yeah. Um, Plus, so it's I, just like he just seemed bored. He seems like the kid yeah. who. You know, called well, he doesn't sick. have a sidekick, which is a problem right. because you know he really enjoyed it when Marco was doing it with right. him, and they could, uh, you know, rejoice in their victories afterward right. and have a good time. But no, he seems like the kid who called who stayed he played hooky from school, and it's like ten thirty, and the cartoons just shut shut off. He's like, <laughs> oh shit, oh now I got four hours of soap operas, and there's none of my friends <laughs> home, and like, what am I going to do? Yeah, what am I going to do? I thought you were going to say like. Ferris Bueller, if he didn't have anybody to go out with, <laughs> sure, yeah, like yeah. I think he might make some action, but yeah. it would be a lot less fun. That's the real problem with kids nowadays is there is no end to like cartoons don't ever shut off and like video it's like true. there's always a video games like that was a and real was YouTube that was a real pressure. It's like how bad do you really want to stay home from school because mm. yeah, it feels great when you're in your jammies eating cereal and then around ten thirty. Okay, I can watch Prices Right, but then after that, <laughs> you're fucked. Really nothing. You're fucked. It's the young and the restless. I, see, I would do the video games. I'd go to the NES. See, you're too to the... you're too young. You don't remember the time before Atari. I, right. I, I all too all too clear for me. Yeah, what the hell do you do? You don't your do shit. Parents go to work. Go play Legos. Yeah. So then you stare at your walls until the the <laughs> you hear the bus coming through the neighborhood. It's like finally, people. Yeah. Uh, there, there are a couple of, I, I would call them mournful moments before, you know, he goes to this Davis and Maine meeting, uh, both times, mm-hmm. the, both the first meeting where he turns down the job and this meeting where he accepts it. Uh, you can tell that he, this is really not who he wants to be. And he's kind of making a sacrifice hmm. here, uh, in order to, I guess in his mind be with Kim. I mean, that's gotta be it. He calls Kim on the phone He's uh, he's unable to get a hold of her because she has a real job and a real life going on. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that's his thing. Yeah, I mean, clearly he. I I honestly don't know because this episode I felt was properly all over the map with his motivations and stuff. Because there's something with Cicero, there's something with Kim, there's something he still got to have called, something uh, uh, about yeah. like this. Like fuck my brother is a reflexive thing. It's not. You know, something that can, I don't, I don't, well, I guess it could sustain you if you just really hate your brother. Um, and depending on their interactions in the future. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that I, 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 I don't have a lot of great analysis on exactly why he's making a decision here. A part of it's boredom and not like, I've done this and I know where this goes. And yeah. And part of it is that I don't have anybody to do this with. It's not as much fun. Yep. Uh, okay. Let's move on. Uh, Saul meets the staff and gets his new office at Davison, Maine. And they run down his list of perks, which are pretty outstanding. Yeah, I'd say. He gets a company car and his choice of artwork, and apparently his choice of desk because he orders a custom desk. He says they'll see what they can do. And then he notices this switch on the wall that says "Don't turn this off," and he does, and it doesn't appear to do anything. I I had a lot of questions about this. Switch. Another very Kafka-esque scene. Right. Orders that are to be followed for no apparent reason. Yep. Uh, and then you switch a kind of brace. Because I was thinking, like, you'd hear people in in, in the lobby. <gasps> like, well, oh just like, God. what happened to the Wi-Fi? I, I didn't know if it was going to be oh, catastrophic. Yeah. 
What do, what do you think happens when he flips the switch? I don't know. I think we're encouraged to, to speculate. I, 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 I don't know. I honestly... Because I, you know... Ev- my old house, do you remember how many switches that didn't do anything? Yeah, there were a few. Because it had been a victim of a dumbass do-it-yourself guy who was pulling... He was too lazy to run his own lines, and he was just pulling lines from other things that do... Um, and I, I've, I've been in places where I've worked where there was switches like that, but they usually had mechanical, like it wasn't just taped over. Don't turn off or unless it was like a light thing. Yeah. Usually they're hooked to auto sensing lights, right? Yeah. Like auto or, or on or off you can, lights. you can make, uh, you know, you can buy those things where you actually screw into the outlet switch that prevents it from being, yeah. if, it's, if you're really serious about it, the uh, being right. not turned it's off. It's strange that they cheaped out on that at this yeah. law firm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the end, it's like maybe it's a super low stakes. I don't know. Like what? I, I have I I have no idea. I, I like to think that it opens the trash room door at the mall, <laughs> <laughs> all the way in Omaha. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, hmm. It would be funny if it actually does do something very subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, I, I'm trying to think. Like it unlocks a door somewhere else in the building, or shuts off the external lights to light up their sign, or I, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't think it's actually like supposed to have a, a big like what does it do? E- yeah. Even though obviously people are going to speculate about that. Yeah. Uh I I was listening to like I said the Better Call Saul Insider cast and they the writer, I, I think it was Peter Gould. I think he was talking about this. He said that this basically when you bookend the episode with this and the uh the refusal of Gene to open that door uh at the beginning it's to show how different these two people are, That's, how, yeah. how much he has changed. Because sure. Jimmy will flip the switch, consequences be damned, I'm going to see what it does. Yeah. Have fun. Whereas Gene won't won't do it. We had a piece of feedback from Michael G that said a lot of the same stuff. He says, in the beginning, Gene, locked in both a metaphorical and literal prison, cannot bring himself to open an emergency exit and trip the alarm. He knows there's potential consequences and is terrified. Contrast that to the end of the episode to see Jimmy in his new office, whose confidence is soaring, knowingly flipping a switch despite clear warnings not to do so. Yeah. Uh, which demonstrates how far Saul or Gene has fallen. Um, yeah. You know, and that's the other things. Like Gene, he has a fear of the, un- uh, of the known and barely has the confidence to scratch his real name and fine print on the wall. But on the other, he has no fear of the unknown and demands Coco Bolo. Yep. So I think that's a pretty good analysis of it. Absolutely. Did you look at any prices of Coco Bolo stuff? Because that's like in, I read about Coco Bolo. It's it's like a, a dark, oily, fragrant rainforest tree that only grows in Central America and is like endangered. Like How a, expensive is it? I didn't look the price. Someone in forum got some desk prices and they're like sixteen grand. Oh Jesus! Okay. So I mean, I guess that's nothing when you have multiple cars at your disposal and someone to drive them to you. Sure. Uh, sixteen grand is not a big deal. I mean, some companies just make just they they operate on levels that you don't really, you know. Yeah, I mean, when Saul's in the first season, when Jimmy's like, "Yeah, I charge uh four hundred and fifty dollars an hour," kind of pulling a price out of his ass. I feel like that's kind of low yeah. for a HHM sort of lawyer, you know? Yeah, but I remember, like they probably make a lot more. I knew someone that worked for an office furniture company, Steelcase. Okay. And they had private planes, plural. And this wasn't like Steelcase, the Nat. This was like a regional outlet where they would fly <laughs> their design and sales teams to customer cl- clients and stuff. Wow. They had one like uh, Saudi prince that got steel gold, or gold plated cubicle shit. Because that's what Steelcase <laughs> is. It's cubicle grade. Right. But it was for some hotel project they're doing. And it was, you know, like he 
anytime there's that kind of crazy fucking profit margins, who knows what's going on? B2B. We got to get in the business-to-business podcasting game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, sure. (laughs) That's where the real money's at. Uh, No, I did look up a little bit the details about Coco Bolo. Like you said, it's a very oily wood. I thought this was, like, perfect for... For Jimmy, right? It, I thought like there was oily, a little sure. sleazy like sort to the, of to the feel. extent that even if you've like sealed it and whatnot, it can still like stain your hands right. when you're working with it. Right, prolonged exposure will change you. Like, yeah, um, there's a lot of metaphorical stuff of that. Totally, and it's actually like apparently when you're working with the stuff, when you're cutting it, you have to wear respirators because it can cause allergic reactions if you inhale mm, it. Like, sure. there's a lot of just seedy stuff about this Coco Bolo wood mm-hmm. that matches up with Saul's character. I also thought there was something, too, that, like, it is on a couple of endangered species schedules that there's a little bit of an illicit thing, too. Uh, like, yeah. of course, Jimmy. Like, you shouldn't have this thing. Yeah. This is the forbidden fruit. Mm. Lots of lots of different layers there. Yeah. Like a, like a Cinnabon. <laughs> Cinnabon. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I got for the episode. What do you think? No. The art on the wall. Did, okay. Did, did yes. the Villa gang say anything about the art in the wall? Because it, what immediately stu- uh, stuck out in my mind is it looks like a Jesse outfit. A Jesse outfit? Yeah, it had the hoodie with the, huh. the, the tight jeans and the sneakers, but it looks like the atomic symbols are exploding out of them. Like, so what, what immediately stuck out in my head is uh, Pothead. Yep, there was a, a little bit of that the guy's head should be, yep, sure. uh, which I guess does tie in tie more with the Jesse, Jesse thing, sure. uh, and you know, just with the general drug theme of Breaking Bad. Uh, I had not heard the Jesse thing. I had heard someone say it looks kind of like Walt Walt's outfit at the beginning, where the pants are flying up at the screen and looks like someone's sure. in Sure, yep. So maybe there's a little bit of that. Uh, Vince and Peter. They didn't say, they anything, didn't say about anything about it. About it really. Not that I recall. No. Okay. Well, if it had some deeper significance, but they drew attention to it too. Like, do you like the art? If not, well, like I said, a lot of that podcast they ran long, and it was taken up by talking about acting. Ah. So I think maybe they just didn't get to a lot of stuff. Yep. That might have been one of the things. So that's it. Uh, we have some feedback. Yeah. You can send it. feedback into bettercastsaul at baldmove dot com. Uh, or you can get on our forums where we always have a episode thread that we can chew the metaphorical fat over at forums.baldmove.com. Mike K said, last year I think I remember you guys giving this show a three-season maximum after watching the first two episodes, though I couldn't find any hard evidence. Uh, well, then we're exonerated. We're off the hook. Yeah, we don't we don't deal. We don't trade in we hard don't, we evidence. Don't, we only Siths deal in Come absolutes. On. Uh <laughs> Wondering if you want to reevaluate your predictions on the length of the run after a full season of Jimmy. Uh yeah, it's it's a little bit longer, and I they I, talked about this a little bit yeah. on the Insider Cast. I don't know. I mean, to me, it does still feel like a three season run. You know, with them walking back from the the Saul side, this maybe that could extend. That. But you know, there's also kind of a clock on this. Uh, even as interesting as Breaking Bad was, it had a five-season clock to where that premise... Yeah. Now, that had a time limit because the guy had cancer, but they also kind of got away with that. Like, you know, remission he could have been in remission. And, sure. and and I feel like that Vince, that experience, his experience with X-Files, his experience with Breaking Bad, shows him the value of going out when you still got gas in the tank yeah, and not breaking down, running on fumes. And I feel like his partner there... Uh, uh, Peter Gould is of the same mind. So 
I would not think this has as much legs as Breaking Bad. Okay. So I'm they thinking were... four seasons might to start stretching. But then again, these are uh, you know, this is another 10-episode season, so there's not as much material in each one. you got to consider that as well. Right. Like four 10-episode right. four runs is about the same as a five 13-episode run for Breaking Bad. Of course, Breaking mm-hmm. Bad also had the super short first season. That's true. Yeah. So I'm arguing out both sides of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel like... It's interesting because they they talk a bit about this in the insider cast. Some numbers are thrown out, like some hypothetical numbers, right? Like we pulled back on on this Saul thing because we realized, oh, if we get, you know, three or four seasons in, we don't want it to be all Saul all the time from from the early days. And then they also throw a number, you know, if we get four or five seasons in. So I feel like they have an idea that they want to be somewhere in that range, but not a firm idea yet. if I think about what I said in the preview cast, and if I'm just speaking as a fan, uh, obviously as a podcaster, this is a really successful show for us. I would like for it to run as long as it can. As and <laughs> also, I just love this universe. One of my sure. favorite because it's also the affection to Breaking Bad, and you wonder, yeah. like, you know, when are we eventually? Because I feel like we'll eventually see Walt if Maybe. it's just a cameo. Yeah. Uh, but I would like to see, however, they get to Saul. And then I'd like to see the next season be post-Saul, and then that's it. Okay. And Or, or maybe not even, like, you, you if they take the final season and split it in half, like they did with the final season of Breaking Bad, eight episodes leading up to the fall into Saulville. And then the back half, the, the remaining four, eight episodes are going to be the you know epilogue for what happens. Because something, again, I feel yeah. like I will be left unsatisfied if I don't see some closure with what's going on a gene in Nebraska. Do you feel me on that? So kind of, yeah. I'm... Maybe they could go three and a half seasons to the fall of Jimmy and then do a half mm-hmm. on, or maybe they do three full seasons and then a full season on the post Saul career of gene, or I, I don't know. It feels like four might be the right number now that they've kind of pumped the brakes a little bit yeah. on, on turning Jimmy into Saul. But I, I do want to see substantial. Maybe they can do that with just a couple black and white uh, teaser segments. They can give me some closure yeah. on that. But I do Maybe. feel like I need some closure on that. I mean, do you, but, do you want do you want Saul to die? Is that what you want? Do you want Gene to die? No, honestly, I kind of like him redeem himself. Okay. Uh, I don't need him to die. Maybe he looks up Jesse. Which sets up a third spinoff series, oh, Je- Jesse and Jesse and the continuing adventures of Jesse yeah, and the Saul. Pink Man and the Good Man. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I I just yeah I feel like I, I got to do I don't need him to die. Reboot. I don't need him to die, but I need him to be more than just a person that's slowly rotting. Okay, you know, and, and completely going fallow. He's got a lot of potential, and that's not being not being fully exploited in that Cinnabon joint. I agree. I agree, but I'm not sure that I don't find that somehow satisfying. Sure, in a twisted way. It's satisfying way. a different way. Absolutely different. Yeah, it's it's more um, morally and ethically satisfying than. Right. And I, I, I guess it's becoming less satisfying the more I get to know Jimmy. And and what a and I feel like what's interesting is Vince and 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 Peter Gould are also feeling that too. Yeah. Like, oh shit, we like Jimmy, we need to know more about Jimmy and make it even more tragic and and you yeah. know, Shakespearean with with this fall. Like they're finding the weird kind of uh 
tragedy that you wouldn't think that that Jimmy going to Saul would be as good as Mr. White falling into Heisenberg, uh-huh. but they're getting there. Uh, one other thing I want to say about that insider cast, I don't, I don't want to to actually talk about this. I just want to say they have a really fantastic short but fantastic discussion about why they, why Peter Gould when he's writing this scene where Jimmy. Uh, they kind of changed the perspective on Jimmy at the very yeah. beginning yeah. Uh, in his meeting with Davis and Maine. Why that's not a cheap trick. And the difference I see, like, personally, I see between what they did here and what they've done on shows like The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fan- the discussion is fantastic. I would say go go listen to Breaking Bad Insider. Better I- Call Saul Insider just for that alone. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard that discussion. I'm interested in it. My opening statement would be, you can get away with anything as long as the audience is willing to go along with it. Like it's it's whether and they talk about why the audience might be willing to go along with this. I think because they're they're interested in seeing more Jimmy as much as the creators are. Yeah, that's part of it. And certainly, I feel like uh, whereas everyone thought, oh, we want to you know uh, we want to get right to Saul and see Saul doing. I think Saul would be hard to. That was my whole thing about this. Better call Saul is uh-huh. he is good in moderation, but. He is not a great standalone character, whereas Jimmy, yeah, works plays beautifully. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like the same type of show, like this this very plot plot and character driven thing. If Better Call Saul is just Saul being Saul, yeah, that that would just feel like a Saul of the Week show. Uh, let's move on to the next uh, piece of feedback. Michael McBride from Virginia says, "I like the episode quite a bit, from the black and white Omaha to the full." color uh drink con i can imagine most breaking bad bad fans caught on to the callbacks or as i like to call them call forwards and i'm starting to realize that ken the stockbroker must be shitted on constantly just be glad gus didn't buy that bottle of tequila jimmy uh yep ken the stockbroker is he i mean he's like uh a punching bag Uh because the way he he does never says like ah i'm having a bad day Sometimes uh, Ken gets out of the morning and Ken wonders if, if Ken's doing the right thing. <laughs> it's always, I'm crushing it, I'm killing it, I'm winning. Yeah. So that's, it's like, that's who he is in his sure. own mind. He's got to keep it up, you know? Sure. And, like, he's out, what, 2000 bucks? Yeah, probably. You know, he, know. he probably blows that in Vegas a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. Or more, and like you know, he's out of BMW, but I'm pretty sure he had insurance on that thing. So. Of course, of course, he it's did. it's kind of like a vic- one of those victimless crimes, almost. That yeah. Everyone talks about. Uh, I don't know if someone blew up my car, I might not feel like it was so victimless. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't know. I when Ken tells that story, does he say some asshole took a wet, uh, you know, service station squeegee job and disabled it and blew it up, or does he say? Hell of a thing happened to me when I was at this gas station. I was sitting there, and then the thing just caught fire and blew up. I guess I was just too hot that day. <laughs> I mean, right. yeah. So it's like, does uh, he even know he's being victimized? Pro- I mean, he's going to know this not. time he when he goes knows. to try to put that paperwork through, and yeah, you know, he, he runs the identity and error four hundred four not found. <laughs> um. Anyway, moving on to the episode themes. Michael Mc is uh michael mcb rather oh my god michael b right <laughs> I, I, I fucking outed somebody how do i feel about Man. that uh it's got a, his real name out of his glove box it's a real kin wins we're situation. coming for your baseball cards michael <laughs> <Yeah>. mcb <laughs> you better have your baseboards clean 
Uh, moving on to episode themes and plot, I can't help but say I think this is a slight step back for the series. Feeling like Villigan and Gould realize they maybe went a little too close to full-on Saul. Uh, hey, I might be judging. It's way too early. No need to talk me off the edge, though. I'm a ride or die for the show. I That seems like it's just... That's that's not even subtext. That's text at this point. They've been very open about we are yeah. walking him back Crisis to Jimmy Land. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a smart move. Uh, Devin had a couple more things to say about these crossover characters. Because when it comes to crossover characters from Breaking Bad, I think there's three tiers of them. First off, there's characters that have direct connections to Jimmy and make logical sense to have in a Better Call Saul storyline, such as Mike, Huel, Patrick, maybe even Gus. Then there's neutral, low-profile characters that don't break suspension of disbelief, such as Ken and the cops, etc. And lastly, there's the main cast of Breaking Bad that probably shouldn't be in the show at all unless it directly ties into the Breaking Bad days of Jimmy's life. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't want to... Like, there was a lot of speculation about, oh, maybe Walt will walk out of the store next to Saul's hair salon. No, sure. f- I don't want that. It, what if, if they just cross each other and like Jim and and, I mean, and Saul and Jimmy doesn't yeah. mug for the camera and like oh look at that guy I mean that would bother you it won't I don't know it won't be like a deal breaker like oh fuck this show or anything like but it just feels a little too cute what if Kim and Jimmy go to the Frosty Dog and they're there the at night house. and and the doghouse rather yeah. and they're and they're having a chili dog and in the background you see Jesse Badger and Combo uh and Skinny Pete roll up and just order and they're like jackassing around in the back they're never mentioned See that's uh, that's weird because I that think would, that would that could happen Totally totally and I I think if it was like Skinny Pete and Badger Roll no up Jesse and no Jesse, I'd be okay with it. But you throw Jesse in the mix, I'm starting to roll my eyes. But why? I can't explain you can't, that. You can't, yeah. I can't it's, articulate why that would yeah. bother me more. I don't think it would because like, it's the same thing. And I'm even thinking like uh, maybe if like maybe if Jimmy actually says, "Man, look at those jackasses," or I, I like that would even bother me. You know, I bet they he would pull it off in a way that I would be totally okay sure. with. Well, that's I, I mean, guess these what guys I'm are thinking. so good at it. Yeah, the people involved in this show are just terrific. So. I mean, you start getting like, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of who I'd be just morally offended. Like Walt Jr. has some interactions with Saul. Uh, Hank. Like yeah. Hank would be kind of cool. Marie. Like what if Marie X-rays one of Saul's, uh, cli- you know, Jimmy's clients has got whiplash or something. Gus. I think Gus is the one, right? Because given what we know about Gus and Saul's relationship, which see, I don't think that think would actually offend me because I don't think Gus yes. had met him. But I would accept him ordering chicken from Gus, okay? Because that you know, With no knowledge, he has no idea that that's actually the you know shadowy contact that Mike works for, right? Uh, anyway, uh, gotta skip that because we already read it. Barry C said, "As enjoyable episode as always, but what did it achieve?" Uh, I'm not sure it set anything up of major interest that wasn't set up already. We knew Jimmy was on the fence about getting his lawyer on or being a grifter. We knew him and Kim were on again, off again. We knew the IT guy Mike was working for was a tool. What, for you, did this episode set up as potential questions and plot points? The only thing that really piqued my interest was the cold open and what we might get from present-day Saul story. So what do you think of this criticism of this episode being kind of a treadmill that you didn't really get anywhere? Uh, that was the point of this episode, and that's why I don't like it a ton. Um, I, I think it was good and it was entertaining, but I it don't didn't think it didn't blow was, your doors off. Yeah, d- didn't blow anything. Uh, I think I'm what I mean. That's the point, right? So they set up a couple of things. Yeah, 
they they reversed on Jimmy's decision not to take this job, which I think is important plot wise. Mm-hmm. Um, they also made very damn clear the relationship that Kim and Jimmy have. Yep. Well, they made it clear the relationship, but the nature of it, and yeah, what happened. And it's it a muddy thing. Is, it's sure. it's not a hundred percent solid in any direction. Yeah. But that's very clear now. Yeah. Yeah. And before it was like, what type of what's going on here? Yeah. Now I don't feel that. Yeah. So that was important. I don't think it did much plot-wise, other than I think now now with the price stuff. That's the thing. That could lead somewhere. Th- that's the stealth action. Yeah. Like, that means something. They spent 10-plus minutes on this of the plot on this, and there mm-hmm. is a kind of a cliffhanger to that that has yeah. got to go somewhere, and I believe it will go somewhere. Probably somewhere big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Doug L. has got a lot of legal analysis, more than I... Uh, would have thought given the, uh, the the episode. Yeah. Um. Oh, actually, before I get to there, I've got one other that I accidentally pasted in the middle of uh, Doug's feedback <laughs> somehow. Okay. <laughs> that would have been weird. Uh, George S. says, Is me or is watching Better Call Saul strangely rewarding? With the show being gone for so long, I forgot how great it was for a second. I truly feel like I'm working out parts of my brain that I normally turn off, and as such, I find the show not only demands my full attention, but I'm always ready to give it to them. With no big production flaws, mischaracter beats, or random plots, it's given attentive viewers a lot more time to just sit back and immerse yourself in the universe. Great job to all around. Um, Here's one of the things I think it does super well. I agree okay. with him. Uh, we we have gotten 150 weeks now of Walking Dead constantly morgalizing over the same fucking mm. concepts and yeah. ideas. Uh, in this show... They don't do that. The conversations are rough. The conversations are the way that people speak. They can't fully articulate the ideas that are in their head so that sure. someone else will understand them. Instead, they have to go show them. Yeah. Or or maybe even the person doesn't quite get them. And But we as an audience kind of understand that and, and feel like this is a real conversation between r- real people, people working out real shit. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's the thing that draws me in so much is how those characters are developed through through those conversations and those actions that aren't quite fully formed even in their own heads. Yeah, and I I have the problem in reverse. I watch so much good television that I think it's warping me. Like, I feel like I Uh, might be a bit unfair to shows like X-Files or The Walking Dead or even Fargo. Like, you know, I rant and rave about something happens late season two of Fargo that I'm not going to spoil for anybody. If I wasn't watching The Leftovers... Or if like Fargo was the only show of its caliber that I really watched because I was a Coen Brothers fan, mm-hmm. I just think I would be barking at the moon about how great it is, and I that that thing wouldn't have phased me at all. So it's like I'm 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 the guy who started drinking two buck Chuck, and yeah. now I'm cracking hundred dollar bottles, and oh I'm gonna get a bottle of now four buck Chuck for fun, and like oh what the fuck is this will. Right. There's nothing wrong with with that. It's just that I feel like my tastes are slowly, not even slowly, like rapidly approaching to where, you know, some some people ask me if I've seen this or seen that or if it's really – and it's like my question is, okay, it's good, but how good is it? It's like everybody's talking about this 11, 23, 62 or whatever it is. It's got J.J. Yeah. Abrams. It's got Stephen King's name behind it, and I've heard – from the professional scene that it's good but not great. And my first response is, well, then why do I want to waste time with it? Understandable, because there's a lot of TV to watch. But a lot (laughs) of the television that I've really held dear to my heart over the years, the MacGyvers, the Star Treks, the 
sure. Earth Final Conflicts. Uh, that's the definition of good but not great. Yeah, yeah. Or at least a lot of it, you know. If I, if I went back to watch the first two seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation with my current brain and eyes, I'd be like, I'd be out. I'd be out, like, <laughs> off the three episodes. Of course. Yeah. So it's it's, hmm. it's interesting. It is. Uh, and there's just so much. Like, I people, I, I there's too much shit. There's too much shit to watch. It's it's real funny when I think back to our comments about, you know, we're we're in the golden age of TV right now, but how long can it really last? How much good TV can they actually make? Well, you know what? TV keeps getting better and better. And I mean, our problem is that I don't see any slowing. I mean, it, it was like a year ago that you could probably watch it all, but you probably couldn't yeah. give the depth of coverage we get. Now, I don't think you can watch it all. And it's it's accelerating, yeah. and I'm worried that like it's going to continue to fragment to the point where you've got these these this 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 group of excellent television shows that not everyone can watch and people are going to be passionate about it and it's like you're going to get, the award shows are going to become a mess because what the hell do you do yeah you have I, ten thousand hours of awesome tv a year what are you what are you going to do i, th- I think that's that's the nature of everything right now is it's mm-hmm. becoming more niche more fragmented uh I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. Yes, no. it's going to be harder to connect, but the ways that we connect with people are becoming more and more broad, you know, yeah. like the internet. Yeah. I mean, shit, you can go out and find a group for literally anything you want. Not a problem. Sure. Uh, Doug L., he's got some legal advice for us, which, again, I'm surprised because when I first saw his email, I'm like, what? Is there a lot of legal stuff to talk about? But it was all interesting, so... Let's talk about fraud a bit. He says a good chunk of the episode focuses on Kim and Jimmy taking the unsuspecting financier for a ride to snag some ill-gotten tequila. But is this actually fraud? We all generally understand the fraud to be intentionally misrepresenting or hiding the truth to trick a person into giving you something, but the law is understandably more precise. Like, right now, did Jim and Kimmy, Jimmy and Kimmy, did they defraud Ken? What what would you think? I say... Yes. Okay. Because they signed legal documents with false names and had him buy them drinks. Yeah, I feel like the the signature is where it went from bullshitting the fraud. But we'll yeah. see we'll, we'll see okay. what the analysis is. Fraud is the same basic elements everywhere in the country. One, Jimmy represents to business guy that a fact is true. Two, that representation is false. Three, he knew that the representation was false when he made it, uh, or he made the representation recklessly and without regard for its truth. Uh, four, Jimmy intended the business guy rely on the representation. Five, the business guy reasonably relied on Jimmy's representation. Six, the business guy was harmed. And seven, business guy's reliance on Jimmy's representation was a substantial factor in causing his harm. Whether Jimmy actually defrauded the guy turns on two key parts of this. What Jimmy actually represented and whether business guy was reasonable in relying on Jimmy. We know that Jimmy lied about who he was and having the money to invest, but that's not necessarily fraud here. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Business people often try to drum up business by taking people out to lunch or offering other perks in order to entice them to give them business. This does not make the recipient a fraud if he or she accepts the perks but ultimately decides not to do business with them. Moreover, we do not know what was on the paper Jimmy signed. If it was actually a promise to invest, then there may be fraud here. Hmm. Second, there's a real question about business guy's reasonable reliance. I admit I do not know the law in New Mexico, but I imagine he may be required to do some due diligence first, which he obviously did not do there. (laughs) Yeah. So that's interesting. Like, as a professional investor, do you have to do some kind of due diligence to see if the guy's got? Because that's the other thing. It's like uh, you're trying to fill out a mortgage and you misstate your income by mm-hmm. five thousand dollars a year. Is that fraud? 
Did you were just mistaken? Did you forget to account for taxes? Sure. You know, did you declare every credit card as dead, or did you miss one? Yeah, that's where that intent to to deceive comes. Yeah, in. Yeah, they pull up your credit report, and it's a bunch of it's a bunch of bullshit. They don't throw you in jail. It's they just decline to do business with you. Right, right. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. Uh, uh, B illegal searches. Did the cops illegally search Price baseboard without a warrant? What would you say as a layman? I'd say no. Yeah, uh, well, he, so he invites him in there in the house. He's finding someone's house now. It's not uh, my it's thing. Not is, it's within not in plain view. Yeah, but probable cause is within plain view. But he invited them to kind of like you know have a look around in in the interest of investigating the crime that was committed. Yeah. So I kind of feel like I don't know. I don't think pulling up baseboards might be inadmissible. I I don't know. I don't feel like they did anything ethically ethically wrong there. Now whether or not it's admissible Legally, in court, yeah. I don't know. Right. But. Uh, so he says this could go a lot of ways. If I were a prosecutor, I'd argue that the police were already in the house searching for evidence of a crime by the invitation of the owner. Yeah. Sure. They would have reason to believe that there's potential evidence behind the baseboard given the pattern of debris suggested the burglars had moved the couch, which we didn't right. touch on, but I thought it was fairly obvious. It was, yeah. yeah. Uh, if it were, I were a criminal defense attorney, I would argue that they decided to search the baseboard. Uh, when they decided to search the baseboard, they weren't investigating the burglars. They were investigating Price himself. They could have easily detained him to prevent him accessing the area while they obtained a warrant to search the baseboard. My suspicion is that Price will ultimately retain Jimmy, and that is precisely the argument he will make to get out of whatever evidence was seized, thrown out. Although, I, it's not clear to me that the evidence was seized. Yeah, I'm not sure. But this is a good point. Like, It seems like if Price got in legal trouble, he might call Mike, who might call Jimmy, which yeah. would bring close the circle around. Yeah, seems like it could. Uh, he also had a point on law firm excesses. But then, hmm. Oh, sorry. That's tough because he, he's he got to defend this guy, right? Now he's back in the same boat he was in season one where Nacho calls him up and says, you got to get me off. You Why gotta, does he have to defend Price? Because if, him and, him because, and, him because and if Mike it leads back to Steven Nacho, right now, yeah. yeah, but if it leads back to Nacho and he's the lawyer on the case, Nacho's not going to be happy. Hmm. Well, so if Nacho, so as Nacho, you're saying Nacho's going to call to have him represented? No. Or he's going to represent Price. Represent but Price and find out that he's dealing with Nacho and go, oh, God, now I'm in over my head. Okay, fine. I have to make this case work out. Why would Jimmy take the case? I think he takes it before he realizes that. But why would he do it? He's got he a job up in, um, uh, in yeah, Santa Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sure, doesn't owe why Mike, Mike anything. Yeah. That's a good question. It might be tougher than we thought to get them together uh on, a, on the top of a law firm excesses finally i want to address the scene at the end of the show jimmy's being offered a lavishly oversized office with crazy perks including company cars and choc choco bolo uh that's the new cereal better call Saul cereal <laughs> should be choco bolo and it's just chocolate flavored desk made out of grains of rice Sixteen hundred dollars a box and pinky rings. What would be the the Better Call Saul cereal? You'd have self. You'd have a earpiece Bluetooth cell phone. You'd uh-huh. have the choc- Choco Bolo desk. That's the marshmallow pieces that give it the name. Uh huh. Or it's the marshmallow, vanilla marshmallow. Everything else is chocolate. You'd have uh, a you real have the pinky shitty ring. car. Mm-hmm. Well, or do you go with the caddy? I don't know. Right now, you go with the car, the the whatever Geo or whatever. I think you it is. go with Huel's head because you know how like the shapes are all like the star, lucky stars, and statues moons, of they're liberty. Always, they're always kind of like deformed, and that would work well with his 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 weird head shape, right? Yeah, the inflatable Statue of Liberty. Got to have that in there. Got to have that. Maybe some columns represent some, yeah, his some... his Constitution office. All right, I think we got it nailed. Okay. Uh, 
Anyway, this Choco, Choco Bowl of deaths that apparently costs over ten grand. I can't say that law firms don't provide this kind of treatment, but I've never seen it, and I don't know any attorneys who have. Huh. Um, this is even more unusual. Even for their partners? Like, I get the impression that he got a partner offer there, yeah? Well, I don't know about that, but I also well, don't I mean, know. Well, I mean, the case they made, he was like, I bring this case to you, any other law firm, I'm an instant part. You beg me to be partner. Like, yeah. they really hit that hard, the partner thing at HHM. I mean, I certainly, like, I... So I used to do technical consulting for an Indianapolis Bar Association, and I wore it was in some pretty swanky, like a couple. I was in one office that was a penthouse suite kind of office that I had the whole top floor. Yeah, you go to like Baker and Daniels, yeah, downtown. Holy fuck! But even that, like, I it was nice and swanky, but it wasn't. I don't think it was sixteen thousand dollar desk nice. But then yeah, you, maybe some of the stuff you see on like L.A. Law, which I guess is you know I get as a television show, and some of the stuff like I'm watching with uh, the O.J. Simpson and uh, oh god, who is the Shapiro? Yeah, uh, I feel like that guy might have that guy. Like that's more of um, a corporate lawyer, a, a, like a really high profile defense lawyer, like where he uses yeah. his wealth. To, like look how successful I am. Exactly. I think if you go to like certain areas, like yeah. if you go to L.A. I bet a lot of like uh, acting law, whatever. Sure, Th- those lawyers probably have this type of shit. If you mm-hmm. go to DC, I bet a lot of lawyers probably have this lawyers type who work of stuff. with agents. Pro- you know, that probably yeah. have that because they're they're trying to attract that kind of clientele. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, this is even more unusual here because Jimmy would be coming in as an associate, not as a partner, and a fairly inexperienced one at that. But really? Yeah, I didn't. The partnership is like they that's made... a permanent thing. I know, you but can't they get made rid of such a, a huge deal about it in season one. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I I understand why you would say that, but so he says on a personal note, I spent over six years working for a firm that primarily defended auto manufacturers all the way from Kias and Fords and Hondas to the low end to Ferraris, Maseratis, and Aston Martins on the high end. Even with car companies as our primary clients, nobody was receiving free stuff, let alone vehicles. The partners mostly drove Priuses that they paid for themselves. <laughs> So what does that mean for the show? It means that Jimmy is likely being wooed because his Sandpiper case is a great cash cow and they want to keep him around. But yeah. what happens when the case is over? He'll be expected to produce, and I don't know if he has the ability to land another golden goose like this. I agree with this analysis yeah. because also, like, if the Sandpiper is a whale, I feel like the type of firms that are representing, like, class action lawsuits with old folks, they're still mm-hmm. not going to be this nice. Yeah, I, like I this place can looks, see that. looked like a southwestern high end hotel, which I'm pretty sure that's what the set was. I, like that probably. reception area looked very hotel lobby. Yeah, that they dressed up to be a reception desk and all that. Um, yeah, but you know it's a TV show. Sure, you can't really dissolve a body in acid in like 30 minutes either. But I saw that done <laughs> multiple times in Breaking Bad. I, I imagine we'll get more information. You about can't blow his role up there. a, a mid sized, uh, you know, building, top floor of a building with uh, fulminated mercury, but I saw that happen too. <laughs> yeah, and lived through an explosion that big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks for that illegal analysis, Doug. We, if you, if you are one of those swanky working for uh, Saudi prince type of law firms, and you want to do some pro bono work, you want to do some pro bolo. <laughs> You want to do some pro bolo bald move work, or if you got some firsthand accounts of like some of the tales of excess in the legal industry, um, yeah, write it in. Uh, Bettercastall at baldmove.com or on the forums, forums.baldmove.com. 
uh, we'll talk about it. That's all I got for this week, man. All right, cool. Well, then we'll, we'll be back for uh, 202 next Wednesday. Yep. Today's Wednesday, yeah? It is. All right, we'll be back then. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya.